I uh, I guess in in this episode of Family Guy, Peter once pretends to be racist to get out of jury duty, <laughs> and he's like, oh. That's a good idea. <laughs> Welcome to Allegedly with Bo and Ryan, the only entertainment and law podcast that brings you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Allegedly. I'm Bo Bowen. And I'm Ryan Schmidt. You're listening to Allegedly with Bo and Ryan. We're coming to you from our law offices in beautiful, historic Savannah, Georgia, where we'll be chatting about pop culture, hot legal topics in the news, and doing our best to change the way people think about the law and lawyers. But first, a little about us. Bo is so respected that Hell's Angels jump off their motorcycles and walk them past his house. And Ryan doesn't like to brag, but a recent archaeological dig came across prehistoric footprints that led out of Africa into all parts of the world. On close inspection, it turned out that the prints were his. Together, we are Savannah's consummate renegade legal titans. And the only corporate and entertainment lawyers in the free world who have never lost a single case. Allegedly. Well, welcome to another episode of Allegedly with Bo and Ryan. We appreciate you tuning in for another installment of all things law and entertainment. And today's topic is one of our latest obsessions. Jury duty. Yes, and we're not talking about actual jury duty, or as we like to call it, the great American excuse to get out of work for $2 a day. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about the new quasi-reality show on Amazon Prime slash Free V. Bo, for those who haven't seen this show, what is it all about? Well, jury duty is unlike anything I've ever seen on TV before. I've been told it's kind of like a show called Joe Schmo, although I've never heard of that, but, but it's Amazing. All right. So it's essentially a documentary that follows a real guy named Ronald Gladden as he serves on a jury in a civil case. But there's an important twist. Ronald has no idea that the entire thing is completely fake and set up just to watch him and his reactions. Every single person involved is an improv actor. Every other juror, The judge, the bailiff, the lawyers, even the 20-so fake witnesses giving phony testimony. And to make it even wilder, the uh, even Westworld actor James Marsden is on the jury panel. And he's basically acting like this hilariously kind of narcissistic, self-absorbed version of himself. I mean, he's fantastic. (laughs) I mean, it's filmed in a real courtroom. Every single detail is set up to fool Ronald into believing he is a real juror in what is undoubtedly one of the wildest and weirdest court cases in history. I mean, what they pull off with this show is absolutely amazing. Oh, 100%. And it's not like they just did it one day in one one uh, hearing that happened once. And it, they did this over, what, three weeks or something like that? Yeah, I think it was 17 days total. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and I just, I just loved how funny, how charming the show was. But also, really, y- you got to imagine the, what they did to fool Ronald. It really worked. I mean, a lot of people would have fallen for it just because of how much they did that was actually accurate. Oh, yeah. I mean, every single little detail they thought of. It was truly impressive. So this being allegedly with Bo and Ryan, a podcast about the intersection 
of law and pop culture. I thought it'd be fun to talk about what the show did right and uh, what it what it reflects on the legal system. Well, you know, before we get started on that, I, I mean, I think it is important to note because before people think, why do I want to watch a guy sitting, you know, on jury duty? Uh, it's a, it's semi-scripted and it's from the creators of The Office. So obviously it heavily favors entertainment, you know, over uh, by the book legal accuracy. Uh, but that having been said, the show actually does a really amazing job of staying faithful to the real experience of jury duty, just in a really entertaining and funny way. I mean, for starters, I got to say, the actor who plays the judge is just pitch perfect. Oh, I com- I completely agree. One of my favorite parts of the whole show is, is the actor who plays the judge. I mean, what, what do you like so much about him? Well, okay. Yeah, it, as a lawyer. When you go into a courtroom, yeah, you've got to, you know, you've got to kind of be, you know, the dominant personality. But there is no question the judge is in control of that courtroom. Absolutely. And this actor did a masterful job of that. So, you know, and and think about it. If your idea is to convince this sort of unsuspecting juror that this absurd fake trial is real, you have to start with a believable judge. And this guy was great. I mean, it was just right. First of all, the age was right. You know, his look was right. And, you know, you're not surprised that the end when you find out, you know, he was not a judge, but he has been an actual attorney for the last 40 years in Chicago. So he's, he's been in some courtrooms. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, you know, he just had that perfect balance, you know, of being authoritative, but sometimes moody, other times compassionate and understanding, you know, and a lot of judges really do act that way. You know, I mean, it's they're not mean or, or unprofessional most of the time, but but they can be very direct because they want to protect their caseload, their calendar. They run a pretty tight ship. And uh, interesting side note on that, Ryan, you may not realize this, but I found out later that the actor that plays the judge is actually the father of Ike Barinholtz. Oh, no way. Yeah, one of our favorite actors. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) So, I mean, the first thing that really impressed me with this show was was this actor. And I thought when when we were looking him up, I thought he had to have been a real judge. I would have 100% believed that. So I I have one. You're always asked by friends and family, okay, I just got summoned to jury duty, right? How on earth do I get out of jury duty? That's that's always the first question, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and a lot of people just want to show up, do the bare minimum, get excused, and go home. And uh, the show goes into a character named Noah trying to find an excuse to get out of jury duty because he wants to go on a trip with his girlfriend. And, I mean, everybody has some reason why they don't want to be in jury duty. And actually, the... I have a trip scheduled with my girlfriend is a pretty common excuse that you hear in real life. <laughs> right. And, and it gets pretty funny. Um, he's talking about his this trip and he says, you know, but this is a really, really important trip for me and my girlfriend. You know, we've never been alone, unsupervised, you know, without parents. <laughs> it gets like really cringy. <laughs> and he's trying to plead to the judge and the judge's like, I'm not, I'm not buying it. <laughs> So let's let's set that up a little bit. He's in the waiting room ready to be called into um, the jury box. 
And he's talking to Ronald, again, the one guy in this whole production who isn't an actor. And he's saying, um, he's like, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Noah. What do, what do people usually say to get out of jury duty? And, 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 and Ronald, not being an actor, could have said absolutely anything. And he would have had to run with it, right? And he says, I, I don't really know, but I, uh, I guess... In, in this episode of Family Guy, Peter once pretends to be racist to get out of jury duty. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in Vordier, the judge is asking if anybody has any reason why they can't serve on the jury. One lady stands up. She looks like she's 100. And she's just like, not my thing. <laughs> and the judge is like, ma'am, I'm just happy. Like, I'm just glad you showed up today. You know, have a good one. You're just, you're dismissed. And, and she, she gets to go home and then anybody else. And so this guy, Noah says, this is a really big, important trip. You know, I, I, I want to be with my, my girlfriend, you know, all the stuff. And says, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. You know, this personal trip just, it, it's not, it's not going to work. Like, well, we've got a flight to Cabo and it's, it's a big vacation and, and we'd have to miss that. The judge says, no, like, is there anything else that would prevent you from ser serving on this jury? And he's getting really nervous and he's, uh, he's um, stuttering, uh, maybe. And he looks at Ronald from across the courtroom and they've had this conversation and he's like. And Ronald is shaking his head. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> please, please don't do this. And he says, um, uh, I I'm racist. <laughs> so great it's so great and everybody even the judge i'm I'm sorry you said what he said yeah uh, I'm, I'm racist and he said i'm sorry that was stupid I, I i shouldn't have said that you know somebody told me to say that and the judge even like starts snapping at him a little bit and he says who who told you to say that and it gets really really uncomfortable you think for a second that he's gonna rat out ronald and and, and ronald's eyes are like <laughs> bulging out of his head but it was just it was just so, so good, so funny, so spot on. And it actually reminded me of one of the crazier uh, courtroom experiences I ever witnessed. This was in a federal courthouse in, in Nashville, Tennessee. And anytime you've got federal court, it is just a way more strict court, right? Oh, yeah. Any, any lawyer will tell you federal judges don't play. They don't play. They're nominated by the president. They're confirmed by Congress. It's it's a different level. So this one guy is talking to the judge and there mostly the judge is the one who's doing jury selection, asking each of the jurors questions and and it can get, can get pretty intense. So this one guy first shows up and, you know, the courthouse has all these rules, you know, outside there's, you know, got to wear a collared shirt and you got to, you know, tuck your shirt into your pants and you got to look a certain way. This guy shows up, T-shirt, shorts. Sneakers, just a ponytail. He's already in trouble, right? And the judge says, Is there anything that's going to keep you from serving on this jury? Guy takes a deep breath and says, Yes, Your Honor. I'm just, I'm, I'm in a I'm really tough situation here. I've been losing sleep. You know, it's, it's my girlfriend. And the, the judge says, Well, what's, what's going on your girlfriend? He says, um, Yeah, she's just been really having a hard time paying her rent. And, you know, she might get evicted at the, at the end of the month. And the judge is looking at him like, that's going to prevent you from serving on this jury. And he, he's giving him every single out. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I'm, I, I, I won't, won't be 
present here. I'll just be thinking about her the whole time. And he's like, I mean, you're her boyfriend. You can't pay her rent. You know, if she gets kicked out, she can't sleep at your house. You know, no, no, your honor. No, no, no. This is not going to happen. So the judge like finally hits his limit and he says, well, I appreciate your candor. Um, you know, I, I think that, I think you're right that you, you'll probably not be present enough to, you know, serve on this jury and, and to actually help, you know, the, the parties reach a, a final verdict here. But, you know, I'm concerned that, uh, that if I let you go, you're never going to learn like the full scope of, of the legal process. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you ordered to stay here for the entire duration of this trial as a spectator. <laughs> right. And you're going to sit either here in the front row of the, <laughs> of the courtroom or in the bench outside. And if you do one of leave one of those two areas without letting me know, I'll hold you in contempt of court and throw you in jail. <laughs> wow. The judge then breaks us all for lunch. Uh, the guy is sitting outside. The judge didn't tell him you can have your lunch now. So he just sat there for the next <laughs> two hours. So, yeah, be careful messing with judges. Yeah, federal judges definitely don't play. So, you know, and, and going back to that scene with, with Noah where he says he's racist. You know, there's a great scene after that where afterwards they pick the jury and he apologizes to everyone on the jury panel and says, look, I, I'm not racist. I just said that to try to get out of jury duty. And a black woman looks up and says, well, how about next time? Just don't say that. say <laughs> <laughs> so, It really is a great show. And, and, you know, another thing I think that really added to the realism of it is the fact that they were able to film in a real courthouse. I mean, that's just unbelievable because you would think, how could they do that? Because, you know, I mean, courthouses are in use all the time. Well, they, they got lucky. Okay. Because they held it in Huntington Park Superior Court, just outside Los Angeles. And the reason they were able to use a real courthouse was because that courthouse had actually had built a new courthouse in that county, and that courthouse was actually just sitting there vacant. <laughs> in fact, it had just recently been used before they filmed as a haunted house. <laughs> so, oh so according to the production team, the crew shows up to set up. There's no electricity. There's spider webs, you know, fake blood, zombies everywhere, you know, but they go in, rehab the entire thing and turn it you know, within a couple of weeks into a real functioning courthouse again. So just the setting itself gives you the the feeling of a very real court case. Absolutely. I mean, you couldn't just put it in some office park and say, yeah, this is the court. Right, exactly. It was very well done. And uh, the other part that I thought was great, um, so funny, there's this hilarious scene where the lawyer for the defendant promises to blow the jurors' minds with an amazing animation during his opening statement, okay? And then he promptly spends two full days just trying to get his computer to connect to the monitor so the jury can see it. I mean, 
Maybe not to that extreme, but that's actually not an uncommon thing to happen. You know, I have definitely seen technology issues hold up trials and it is excruciating. <laughs> and it was so funny watching the lawyer walk through this because he was trying to like prep the jury and the judge for what was taking so long. So he was kind of act speaking out what was happening. Okay, connect to Wi-Fi. Um Enter credential, and he was just kind of <laughs> step by step, you know, unable to connect to. Ne- <laughs> it was just so funny, you know. And and in the show, uh, they built into it that the the lawyers were very mismatched, and that and that's actually pretty realistic too. The lawyer for the plaintiff was well prepared, presented everything personal, uh, professionally, and just perfectly. Was confident. You know, exactly the type of lawyer you would want arguing for your side. The defendant's lawyer, on the other hand, what's the word I'm looking for there, Ryan? Uh, I'm going to say train wreck. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Another thing I really, really enjoyed about this show and what I thought it got right. Again, we're talking about creating that atmosphere with which somebody would believe that they're in a real courtroom setting was Bailiff Nikki, the bailiff who oversaw the proceedings. She is great. Again, no matter what happens in the show, that courtroom has to be right. The the case itself can be the most wild case, but if the judge, the courtroom, and the bailiff aren't believable, the whole thing just immediately falls apart. And uh, she was so good. She was very much like a TSA agent who will yell at you while you're getting your liquids, you know, say laptops and liquids out of the bag. You know, she was very like very authoritative. And at one point, you know, people were talking and she said, I will arrest all of you. (laughs) And you're like, oh, damn, you know, I got to listen to this one. (laughs) But that's the thing about like real life real life bailiffs they they say that and you know the judge is about to come out and they'll say you know everybody put your phone on silent if it rings i'll take it you know if it rings again i'll arrest you and you know you're like low-key nervous about bailiffs all the time (laughs) i mean i'm sitting there going what if there's an amber alert (laughs) (laughs) last last thing you want to do um and at the end of the show what was so uh so nice to see was even after ronald was told that this whole thing was a ruse he goes up to bailiff Nikki and he's like, wait, but you're a real cop, right? <laughs> and of course she has to say, no, I'm an actor too. <laughs> yeah, that was unbelievable. But, you know, as many things as, as they did right, you know, I mean, there, there were a few things that would never happen in real life. I mean, first and foremost, you would never, ever ever get to film or interview a jury during the course of a trial. Right. (laughs) It just never happened. And the show, I mean, it does try to kind of acknowledge that problem. And, it, you know, it explains that they had unprecedented access granted to the film documentary crew. Um, But again, in real life, would never happen. You'd be very concerned because that process, you're not allowed to prejudge until all the evidence is in. And that process of sitting down with the documentary crew, especially together, like they were doing, you know, it it would influence the jurors. It would influence the public. It would influence the attorneys. It would influence everybody. Just you wouldn't be able to do it. A a judge would never allow it in a million years. Um, I mean, just think about what would happen in real life, Ryan. You know, if a 
rogue juror decided to just give an interview to a reporter in the middle of a trial about everything that's going on in the courtroom. You know, I mean, not only would they be immediately dismissed from the jury, but, you know, the case would almost certainly be a mistrial. And on top of that, they would probably be in jail. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's a good point. And another another thing that I think they kind of brushed over, but it, for entertainment purposes, it was so good, was James Marsden's character, right? So James Marsden is a very well-known actor. He's He was Cyclops in X-Men. He's in Westworld, as you mentioned. He's in Hairspray. He's he's People see him, even if they don't know his name. Oh, yeah, I remember him and that thing. He's, he's very recognizable. And uh, it'd be very unlikely for a famous actor to serve on a jury, even as an alternate that he was in. Again, the the judge and the parties want to minimize anything that might actually distract from the trial itself, the facts and the law that the jury must consider to reach a verdict. And while Marston isn't like Brad Pitt or Leonardo DiCaprio, many people would definitely know who he is and, and have seen some of his works and probably get distracted, right? Sure. So the judge pretty hilariously uh, discounts the argument, you know, James Marston wants to get out. He's, he's got this big fake movie uh, audition that he's got to do. And he says, you know, judge, I, I just, I think I'm going to be his attraction. I'm a recognizable public figure. And the judge in like just as quickly says, with respect, I don't recognize you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and even the judge pulls up Ronald, you know, again, the, the real guy. And he says, do, do you, do you recognize him? And Ronald's like, well, you know, first, Your Honor, I, I didn't, but um, but now I do. And he's like, well, what has he been in? And he says, oh, he's been in X-Men. He's been in this and that. And James Marsden's like, dude, never start with X-Men. <laughs> 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 and like, it's it's a good point. You know, celebrities are not exempt from getting summoned for jury duty. It happens all the time. But most of them are going to get excused for cause just because of how distracting they could be. And I actually found this whole article of different times that celebrities have shown up to jury duty and, you know, people are taking their pictures, asking for autographs, you know, uh, counsels coming up to them and, and, and it just it gets messy, right? Oh, for sure. But I found one instance where Oprah actually served as a juror on a murder trial in 2004. Wow. And and uh, it, it didn't have a happy ending. They all convicted this guy. <laughs> so it does happen. Yeah. Well, you know, no one really, other than if you're a convicted felon or you're over the age limit, anybody and everyone gets called for jury duty. There, there are no automatic passes. Lawyers get called for jury duty. Judges get called for jury duty. Uh, as you know, Ryan, just about uh, two months ago, I got called for jury duty. And most of the time you think, as a lawyer, they're probably just going to cut me right off. That was not my experience. So uh, it, it's a little bit different when you're talking about a civil trial versus a, a criminal trial. Okay. In a criminal trial, it's very unlikely that the defense attorney is, uh, th well, the defense attorney is definitely going to want a jury on it, but there's no way the district attorney is going to want a lawyer. And the reason is because a lawyer understands what a tremendously high burden of proof beyond a reasonable doubt really is. Sure. You know, so they, they don't want that. So you're almost certainly going to get cut off of a criminal trial. Civil trials a little different, you know, a civil trial. And in this one, it, it dealt with the one I got called for. It dealt with a lot of property, 
um, a lot of very complex kind of tax and monetary issues. And, you know, you could tell the lawyers were kind of thinking maybe a lawyer on the jury wouldn't be a bad thing. Maybe, you know, that would help the other jurors kind of understand some of these issues apart. So I was there for two days and I really thought I was going to get picked until the lawyer for the defendant asked one question. Okay. Oh, what now, was this? So it was a, um, <laughs> it was a divorce case, you know, but it, it was, the, it was an older couple and they were dealing only, like I said, only with property issues, money and property. That's it. So the lawyer for the defendant looked at me and said, by the way, I know you're an attorney here in Savannah. Do you know the attorney for the plaintiff? And I said, yes, I do. Well, how long have you known him? I said, I've known him for over 20 years. And he said, well, do you ha are y'all friends? Do you have a good relationship with him? I said, well, when I got a divorce, he advised my ex-wife. So that was a great. <laughs> <laughs> so that lawyer then immediately said, yeah, we'll excuse this guy. <laughs> oh, <man>. So close. <laughs> so, yeah, but it does happen. <laughs> well, what's another thing that wouldn't that happened in the show that wouldn't fly in real life? Well, you know, going back to that scene with the defendant's lawyer trying to get the, the video to work. You know, first of all, there's no way in hell a judge is going to let a lawyer try to get a video to play for two full days. That's just not going to happen. <laughs> right. And then about two minutes, a real judge is going to shut that shit down. You know, just proceed without a counsel. But uh, it does on the show. It pays off perfectly, though, because when he finally does get the video to play after all of this buildup, and all of this anticipation, it ends up being about a three-second-long animation of a guy walking that looks so bad. I mean, it straight up looks like it was created by, like, a cat walking across a keyboard. I mean, it's all, like, glitchy, and the guy like, looks like he explodes <laughs> after, like, two steps. <laughs> like, I actually read later that the actors on the jury had not seen the video before it actually got played in court. Amazing. And they they all, when they saw that for the first time, every one of them just immediately cracked up. And they actually got nervous that they might be blowing this whole show, you know, but it worked because that video would have made anyone laugh. I mean, it certainly did me. It was so funny. And if you remember, it was supposed to be on a TV. He breaks the TV. Then he puts it on a little iPad, and he's having everybody huddle around this one <laughs> iPad. And the judge even says, let me see what you just showed the jury. And it's three seconds of just chaos. And the judge kind of looks at him like, what the hell was that? And then the defendant's lawyer says, uh, I'm going to need to talk to my nephew. <laughs> yes. Just amazing. <laughs> Another thing that, you know, just wouldn't happen is this whole idea of the ineffective assistance of counsel that blows up in hilarious fashion at the end of this trial. So here, this is a, uh, We've got the defendant is now bringing on their case in chief. The plaintiff's case is rested. And for days and days, you're hearing about how this defendant is this negligent uh, employee. He's, he's just ruined um, this big order for the, the plaintiff. Um, and just as because of that, all this reputational damage has been caused. So the plaintiff's putting witness after witness. You know, I wouldn't hire this guy. This guy's terrible. Even his own mom is basically like, yeah, the defendant's a deadbeat, you know? Like, <laughs> it's really bad. 
So the defendant's lawyer, mid-trial, without even consulting him seemingly, just turns on the defendant while he's asking him some questions on the stands. And he's like, I mean, you, you have to agree, you know, it, it's pretty irresponsible for anybody to hire you, right? <laughs> so great. And you know, t- you're, you're terrible at any job you, you, you take, right? And the, the defendant's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, stop. And he keeps asking some more and more questions and just completely feeding into the plaintiff's case and their argument. <laughs> and the defendant goes, no, I, you can't do this. I've read the, about this. This is ineffective assistance of counsel. And everybody gets really nervous and it's, the courtroom goes quiet. Yeah, needle scratch, probably. Yeah, exactly. And the judge goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is huge allegations. I'm going to need the defendant and his counsel in chambers immediately. And so they like go off and everybody's freaking out. So after some set amount of time, they come back and the judge says, the defendant has chosen to proceed in this case pro se and represent himself. But the defendant's lawyer will serve as co-counsel, <laughs> which that makes no sense. So here's why ineffective assistance to counsel just wouldn't work here legally. It's, it's not something that you see in, in a civil case at all. It's actually a right that the criminally accused have to competent representation. It's closely tied to your Miranda rights, your right to counsel, among others. And if a criminally accused gets convicted... One of their appeal rights is the right to claim ineffective assistance to counsel, but it is so, so hard to win on. You know, you're trying to get that sentence vacated or overturn that conviction, but in order to do that on an ineffective assistance to counsel claim, you have to prove that the attorney's representation was reasonably and objectively deficient. They, they did something that no other lawyer would reasonably do, and but for that representation, you would have won your case. Right. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, that. Definitely not something that happens very often, for no, sure. For sure. And But it does make sense, like you talked about, it only applies in criminal cases, not civil. But it kind of makes sense a little bit why that was in there, because I actually read later when reading about the show that the initial plan was to make it a criminal trial and not a civil trial. Uh, but it's they actually did some research and they found that in the state of California where they were filming, it's actually illegal to make someone believe they are sitting in judgment on a criminal case. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you can actually you can do it in a civil one as long as you follow certain, you know, kind of safeguards. But a criminal case completely off limits. Pretty good reason to have an entertainment lawyer on your production. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, it was funny. They said that they were kind of joking throughout production. Like, season two of this show may well be us all on trial for doing this show. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, I really can't stress enough. You really got to watch the show. What they pulled off with this is, is, I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, think about it from this perspective, Ryan. Think about if you're one of the actors on the show, and as we talked about, there were dozens of them, many of whom were around Ronald almost all day, every day. Right. Okay. You're one of those actors. All of this time has been put in, all of this money, all of this effort, putting this show together. All of these people are involved. And if you screw up, if you say the wrong thing, if you call someone by the wrong name, if you step to the wrong place and, you know, reveal a camera, anything in one second, 
one mistake could blow that entire show. I mean, <laughs> the whole thing could be revealed. That had to be wild for the actors. Oh, it's so stressful, too. I mean, that'd be like a razor's edge, man. I'd be like nervous. I was going to God, can you imagine how upset everyone would be? I mean, so the fact that they were able to get through it, uh, and, and in the last show, they actually show some of the near misses they had, but, you know, they pulled it off and it was unbelievable. Um, and, you know, the very fact that the producers picked this guy, Ronald Gladden, to be the victim slash hero of this show, uh, a true stroke of luck. I mean, it really, he was so good. Uh, apparently, he was one of thousands of people who had answered an ad on Craigslist about appearing in a documentary on jury duty. But, I mean, they just strike gold with this guy. Well, you know? For sure. I mean, he's, he's clearly just such a nice, sweet guy. I mean, he tried so hard to do the right thing. And he, I mean, he was just kind, you know, he was so supportive of everyone, no matter how wild or weird things got, you know, and people are confessing these, you know, deep, dark secrets to him. And he's, you know, just, you know, being there for them and helping them and supporting them. Or calling somebody's ex-girlfriend trying to plead for him to take him back. <laughs> it really was unbelievable. And uh, the whole last episode of the show, okay, is devoted to showing him find out the extent of the way that he was tricked, you know, how far they had gone to put this ruse together. I mean, it, it honestly, it was so effective that it actually kind of fucked him up a little bit. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I, mean, he, I read an interview that it was, uh, even now he said that he's paranoid, you know, and, and he's, constantly questioning reality he's you know he's said you know he'll go into a coffee shop and if anything weird happens or you know a server drops a spoon you know, he immediately is starting to look around for hidden cameras you know i mean they fooled him so completely that to this day he still thinks he may be on a tv show i mean that's a black mirror shit right there oh for sure <laughs> you know i gotta say that show, I give it a 10 out of 10. I mean, it, it, it was so good. And while most of the things on the show clearly were very exaggerated for a comedic effect, actually pretty realistic. It will give you an idea of what jury duty is really like. There was certainly a few wonky things that would never happen in real life. But man, it is a fun show to watch. Oh, for sure. I mean, kind of like how fun it is to work with the Bowen Law Group and watch all your dreams come true. Exactly, Ryan. Which is why we are the most successful lawyers in the history of human jurisprudence. Allegedly. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks for listening to the legal mastery of the highly intelligent and easily most attractive true legal outlawyers in Savannah. And remember, the only lawyers in the free world who have never lost a single case. Allegedly. To continue to receive free edge-of-your-seat legal anecdotes, mind-blowing takes on hot topics, and a general masterclass on lostness, please head over to thebowenlawgroup.com and see all the platforms you can subscribe on. Wow, you actually let me finish that one. I'm not a monster. <laughs>